So uh, with the sharing portion done, we're going to look at some scripture briefly here. And I'm going to try to walk you through in 15 or 20 minutes what we uh, discussed at camp over the course of the whole week. So as I said, we designed everything to help the students run the race well. And we went back to some foundational things that I'm going to share with you. The first evening at camp, we talked about God. And we looked at scripture to see uh, some of his attributes. We're not going to have time this morning to look at all of those different scriptures. We did that first evening. But we saw that God is holy. Okay, God is holy. And what we mean by that is the holiness of God refers to his unparalleled majesty of his incomparable being, his blameless, faultless, unblemished moral purity. So God is holy. There is no trace of evil in God. He's 100% pure, 100% without fault, and 100% without sin. Church, God cannot lie. God cannot make wrong decisions. God is good, and unlike us, his created beings, God is eternal. He is preeminent, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. So he <coughs> surpasses all others. He's all-powerful. God is all-knowing, and he's everywhere at the same time. We talked about those things. God is also just. He is morally fair and right. And he will always act in accordance with what is right. And he himself is the standard of what is right. In Deuteronomy 32.4, Moses is talking about God and he says, All his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and right is he. And Isaiah 45, 19 says, I, the Lord, speak truth. I declare what is right. And then in Genesis eighteen twenty five, it says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? We learn that God is the judge of all the earth. He decides what is right and what is wrong and what the punishment for sin is. We also learn that God is love. God is love. Um... If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 4. So when we say God is love, we mean God's love uh, means that God eternally gives of himself to others. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another for love is is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this is the love of, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. <clears throat> we'll talk a little bit about Jesus, some more about Jesus in a few minutes. But God gave Jesus, his son, for us. And everything that God does is loving. In church, God is also our creator. He created everything in the universe, including us. Hebrews 11.3 says that by faith, 
The universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was invisible. So God created everything that we see from nothing. He created everything from nothing. Can any of you do that? Can you create things from nothing? We, we can't do that. God is truly great and far above and beyond us. And God didn't just create functional things. He created beautiful things. God created beautiful things. Has anyone ever been captivated by God's creation before? You look out and you're just like, wow. Um, if you've ever been to um, giant mountains, like breathtaking mountains, or if you've been to the beauty of the deep blue oceans, I can still remember the first time I saw the ocean in the uh, Caribbean, and it's, it is something to see. There is a beauty there. If you've ever seen vast fields that stretch as far as the eye can see, or rivers that are so clear you can see all the way through them, this is God's uh, creativity on display in the beauty of his creation. So he didn't just create functional things. He created beautiful things. And we could go on and on about how amazing his creation is. But as awesome as everything we see out in the world is, his most precious creation was us, mankind. Genesis 1 says that he created us in his image, and he said that it was very good. The things that we can do and the things that we can accomplish, the potential we have is incredible. If you study the complexities of the human mind and body, you will be amazed. And if you just think of all the wondrous things that we've been able to build as uh, mankind over the years, or the capacity for love and kindness and goodness that we have. Church, God truly created something amazing when he created mankind. And parents, your children are precious. It has been a great honor of mine to spend the last week with your kids. They are each unique and amazing in their own ways, and I love them as if they were my own. And God has given each of them different talents and abilities and personalities. I got to see them use those this week for so many great things. Your children are a beautiful gift. Treasure them. Build them up and speak to them of the love that you have for them. Make sure they know that they are precious in your sight. They are most certainly precious in the sight of God. We are all beautiful and amazing creatures with dignity, worth, and value. But we know that there's a, there's a problem with man, right? Through our willful, sinful rebellion against God, we turn from being his children into his enemies. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages for our sin is death. Remember, God, the creator, the judge, decides what is right and what is wrong and what the punishment for sin is. And it says the wages of sin is death. And when we sin, we need to realize we aren't just sinning against another man or another woman. We're breaking God's commandments, and we are sinning against God. When we sin, we sin against God. It's his commands we are breaking. When he says, don't lie, do not steal, do not murder, do not covet, you can read the whole list of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. 
when we sin, we are sinning against a holy God, our creator, the righteous and just judge of all the earth. That means he's got to punish sin, which puts us in a bad spot, right? Since um, we have sinned plenty. Uh, Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. I want you to see how Isaiah responds when he stands before God. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah has a vision. And it says in verse 1, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So Isaiah, he knows he's in trouble, right? And when we understand who God is and who we are, we know we are in trouble. We can't do anything to make up for our sins. We are helpless. But if you read on in verses 6 and 7, here it it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. So God sends someone to take away his guilt and forgive his sin in that moment. And during those Old Testament times, they would have to continually offer sacrifices to pay for sin. And coals of fire were taken inside the most holy place on the Day of Atonement when sacrifices would be made to atone for sin. And so here the seraphim touches his lips with it and tells him that his sin has been forgiven. Church, we all stand before God in much the same way. All sinners, all with the need to be forgiven, or we will face just punishment for our sin. We read earlier in 1 John how God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him, not face death, but live through him, that he was the propitiation for our sins. means that he averted God's wrath by taking the punishment upon himself. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came and he lived a sinless life here on earth. He was the perfect sacrifice. He went to a cross and he suffered for us. He suffered and died for you. He took the wrath of God that you deserved upon himself. And his death paid for the sins of everyone, of everyone who comes to him in faith. He stands before the judge as the one who is righteous and takes our punishment and gives us his righteousness. We spent a long time 
in a camp looking at who Jesus was. We do not have time to go over in detail today, but if you want to read something later, read Revelation chapter 1, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and ponder the picture that John paints of Jesus. Um, to briefly say a few things in summary that you'll see there, you'll see that Jesus is the faithful witness. Church, Jesus cannot lie. When Jesus says something, you can trust him. He will bring it to pass. He is the firstborn from the dead. After he took our punishment upon himself, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus, it says, has all power and all authority. Jesus loves us. Jesus is God. Jesus is worthy of all glory and honor and respect. And Jesus was and is the final, ultimate, and complete sacrifice for our sins. Jesus also has um, always been and has all wisdom. So if you're lacking wisdom, church, you're trying to figure out what to do, James says that we should ask of God and he will give generously. Jesus has all wisdom. Ask him. Jesus' eyes, it says, are like a blazing fire. Jesus sees and knows all things. And Jesus is absolutely pure, it says in Revelation 1. He will never wrong you or sin against you. And you'll see lots of other things as well, but it is no exaggeration to say that there is truly no one like Jesus in all of history. And that all of history is about Jesus. There is no one else that we should put our trust in. He is the only one who will never fail us, never leave us, and never forsake us. So where does this leave us then? If, if there's a holy God who created us, and then we sinned against him when we broke his laws, and he's the judge, but he has sent Jesus to save us, the question is, what must we do to be saved? Look at Romans chapter 10. By the way, I would encourage all believers to memorize this passage in Romans. Um, super important as you're sharing with people. And something I forgot to mention earlier, at summer camp, every year we have students, um, we're on teams and we're competing all throughout the week. One of the things that they can do to earn points is memorize scripture. In the past, we've given them certain passages to memorize. This year, I told the students they could memorize any Bible verse they wanted to, for points, as long as they explain to their counselor how they would use it in sharing the gospel with somebody. Um, I expected this would make it harder for students to memorize, um, and that they would, it would be more beneficial, which I hope it was. We did have one student who memorized around 100 verses at camp. That was Caleb Olenicek. I learned my lesson, Caleb. We will do things differently in the future. Um, Caleb's team won hands down because uh, my team memorized five verses and Caleb by himself memorized over 100. So, but uh, in Romans 10, it says in verse 9, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. For salvation, we don't do works. We confess with our mouth and we believe with our heart. You say to Jesus that you know you're a sinner, that you're sorry and you're turning from your sin. And instead of living for yourself and what you want, you're going to say, you know what, Jesus, you're Lord of my life, and I'm going to do what you want. When we say we believe, we don't just mean that we believe or intellectually assent with our head. Um, Like, yeah, I think that's probably true. We trust. We believe Jesus enough to trust him with our entire life. So Logan Valley, where we have camp every year, they built a new tower this past year for their zip lines. I don't know exactly how tall it was, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 feet or so. Um, it's pretty cool looking, so we decided we would pay for the zip line this year and have any kids who were interested try it out. Most of the camp went over there, um, and some of those kids had, like, no fear. They're just jumping off the tower like it was nothing. I had no plans to actually do the zip line. Um, I am absolutely terrified of heights. I feel woozy and sick and shaky around them. But sometimes you do things when you're working with young people that you would not normally do. They're like, Justice, you're going up there, right? And I'm like, uh, maybe. They're like, no, you got to go up there. Fulton, I'm pretty sure, was like really on me to go up there. So um, I decided I would at least put on the harness and I would, I would start making my way up. So I went up there. I worked my way up the tower, up the stairs. And I found there was a bunch of kids still sitting at the top waiting their turn. And that every time somebody jumped off, the tower would just shake, okay? It was terrifying. So I went back down, and I waited lower, sitting there with my eyes closed. That's how afraid I am of heights. And when it was almost my turn, they called me up there, so I I went up. Uh, I think Ethan Bond was up there. He's like, just look at the creek, Justice. Just look at the creek. And I'm like, okay. Um... So I'm up there, and I decided as soon as I get hooked up, I'm just going to jump off before I have time to think about it so that I don't get too scared and back out. And that did not happen. Um, I got hooked up. I looked down, and I was like, I do not want to do this. (laughs) So I, Dave Williams, the camp guy, he's like, just sit down. It'll help. Just sit down. So I sit on the ledge. And then I'm like, no way. My hands are sweating. I'm trying to grab on this rope. I'm like, I, I can't do this. Kids are yelling at me to jump off. Um, I thought several times, now's the time. And I tried to scoot off, and I couldn't. Just shaking. Felt terrible. Fear was coursing through my veins. I was about to trust this little harness and this metal wire to hold me as I slid off a 50-foot tower. And if it would not have held me, I would have fallen to my death. 
So this is the stuff going through my mind. People that aren't afraid of heights. I mean, some of those kids are just like, woohoo. Trinity didn't make a sound when she jumped off. It's like she wasn't, she's like, I'm afraid of heights. And then she just, whoop. I'm like, sure you are. So when I was finally able to slide off, it was only because I trusted that Jesus probably wasn't going to have my life end in that moment at camp. And uh, so I slid off and I screamed. And I think that's actually when my voice decided to give out. Um, you can ask the kids. I definitely scream louder than anybody else. But when I was sitting up there, the Lord reminded me this is kind, the kind of trust that he calls us to when we believe in him. It's not an intellectual ascent like, I think I trust Jesus. He seems pretty cool. It's like we are trusting him with our everything, with our, our very life. And if he doesn't catch us, we're goners. That's the kind of trust that we're talking about in the Bible. Our full and complete belief that Jesus saves us and he is who he says he is. So when I say believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, that's what I'm talking about. I'm putting my whole life and trust into his hands. And several of our kids did that this week. We had several kids put their trust in Jesus, and it was awesome. They decided to trust him with their life instead of themselves. They decided they were going to trust that he knows better than they do. They're trusting that he is who he says he is, and that there is no forgiveness for sins apart from him. They called on the name of the Lord, and he saved them. And that gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, it's offered to you here today as well. If you have not trusted in Jesus, you can do that. The worship team can go ahead and come back up. Um, you can stand before God forgiven of your sins. You can be called a child of God instead of an enemy of God. So in a moment, we're going to sing a couple of songs to close. And as we do that, I invite you to call out to Jesus and be saved. Pray to him and tell him you're going to turn away from your sin and from running your own life and confess that he is Lord. You're going to put your trust in him. You're going to believe in him. Your eternal destiny is on the line. Everyone one day will spend forever in heaven or in hell. And I implore you to put your trust in Jesus as we sing this next song. So if you'd stand, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation that you so graciously give to all who call on you. Lord, we pray first for um, our students at camp who trusted in you. We pray that that seed would be planted in good soil and that they would um, learn and grow and walk with you all the days of their life, that they would uh, be witnesses for you. And we pray this morning for anyone here who has not trusted in you. They haven't, they haven't uh, jumped. They haven't put their faith in you to catch them to be their Lord and Savior. We ask that this morning as we sing that they would do that. They would turn from their sin. They would trust in you for salvation. We pray this in your name.